Hello, welcome. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Just a quick note before we dive in. This podcast has been a passion project that we've been doing off the side of our desks, which got rather severely waylaid by life and is now back on track. Yeah, that's right, Amanda. We've got the uh, first four episodes recorded roughly about a year ago. Yeah, so some of the references might be a little bit out of date, but they're still generally applicable. There's nothing that's massively uh, gone out of sync at the moment. This episode onward uh, will be uh, more contemporaneous. Yeah, we'll be doing monthly releases for the moment, and then hopefully as we gain steam and get our workflow more efficient, we'll be able to release more regularly. Hope you enjoy. Thanks so much. Welcome to Talk Me to Death, a podcast about death and dying. I'm Amanda, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew, uh, my friend and partner whom I roped into this to have some conversations with me about the big, mysterious, interesting, intriguing, bizarre world of death. Uh, This is our first episode, so we're going to give you a little bit of background about ourselves, and then we will dive into a few questions just to get things started. So, Andrew, tell me a little bit about, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and how you came to be here. Well, thanks, Amanda. I uh, appreciate being uh, asked to be on the show, and I'm really looking forward to doing it. I think it's actually a really good idea. My name's Andrew, and I am currently a unemployed comedian, but also somewhat employed in another seasonal job. So, right now, there's just nothing for me to do, so podcasting seems like a good idea. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. And so, I've been doing comedy for about six years now, and yeah, I'm interested in death and dying as well because it's something that, like Amanda will say, is something people don't talk about. So, who are you, and what's this? <laughs> what am I doing? So, <laughs> by the way. So my name's Amanda. This project is, is my brainchild. I'm a nurse by profession, and. One of the things that I've faced enough of in my career is death. Uh, And I've come to be of the opinion that in North America in particular, I think that we we really shy away from death, discussions about death, thinking about death. Um, I think that death is mysterious and intimidating and inevitable and that avoiding it is not necessarily the best course. Yeah, that's, uh, well, don't they say two things certainly in life, death and taxes? <laughs> yeah, so, basically. Yeah. So. It is, that is funny, actually, how people do try to avoid death. And I think, uh, I actually, I think this is a really good idea for a podcast because, yeah, it just depends on where you're in the world. And I hope that, I honestly don't know too much about what we're going to be going over, but I, I know a little bit about. And so I guess we'll be exploring death from all over the world and different cultures is that what you're thinking i mean it, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of evolution here the podcast came to be uh, out of my desire to have conversations about death a i find death death rituals perceptions uh, around death uh, different social cultural philosophical influences technological influences on death and dying to be fascinating And B, I feel like 
death, discussions of death, consideration of it is something that we often avoid to our detriment in modern society. I think we have uh, somewhat of an obsession with living and the prolongation of life and tend to neglect the fact that part of life is death in all of its um, intimidating mystery and inevitability. So I wanted to talk about that because I'm hoping that by having conversations about it, not only will we all stand to learn something, but also that maybe some of the intimidation factor will be reduced. So let's just jump right into some topics of conversation, something to consider just to get us off and rolling. Sounds good. I think maybe for today that you and I can just talk a little bit back and forth about some different uh, thoughts that we might have around death and dying. And then moving forward, the plan will be to bring people in who are a little bit more knowledgeable about different aspects of, of the things that we're considering and have conversations with them and see what we can learn. Awesome. So what interests you about death? What interests me about death? Mm -hmm. What interests you about death? Well, I don't know. I almost want to flip the question onto you because this is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing that interests me about death actually like is truthfully from a personal point of view, I, I actually interestingly wasn't exposed to death hardly at all growing up like until maybe um i don't know like that I, I was probably like 21 the first time i had like a close relative like a, a grandmother or grandfather pass away grandfather on my mom's side was the first one and i was probably yeah 21 or 22 so i don't know i had you know up until recently i even had great grandparents so I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, it wasn't around me and I, I could see it around. And then, yeah, it's just obviously like for most people, death is inevitable, actually all people. But, uh, you know, when it hits you, it hits people different different ways, obviously through friends or family. And I've had family members pass away. So, and I mean, I was able to sort of, I don't know, think, find a different way to deal with things as far as death goes. And, and my background is I was, sort of raised in a religious background. So death is sort of preached at you in a weird way to get afterlife in, afterlife insurance is the way I, I like to think of it now. So I don't know. That's that's what interests me about death. And, and I'm sure you, being a nurse, um, have been around death quite a bit. And so what I'll flip it on you too. What interests you about death? What doesn't interest me about death? It's funny because I, I don't consider myself a particularly morbid person, but, and, and I probably had a similar experience, it sounds like, to, to you uh, in the early years in that I really wasn't around death. I, I had, you know, I had a great grandparent and had a grandparent die when I was in my late teens, early 20s. Right. But both were circumstances where they died, you know, when I wasn't around I, I wasn't mm. near them when they when they passed away and just basic family dynamics they were you know um their death disposition was taken care of kind of quickly and quietly and without right. much fuss and muss so it was kind of a an esoteric experience in that i knew they were dead but also kind of nothing had really changed because my family wasn't one that kind of went through that whole process that sometimes people will go through around dying it just sort of happened sure. and it was done and then we carried on 
which is fine. Gotcha. So I hadn't really had much exposure to death either until I became uh, a nurse mm-hmm. about, I don't know, 10 years ago now. And uh, I started seeing it in the course of my work. And it just, it it was, it was very interesting to me to work in an environment where death in some way is pretty much omnipresent. Not that people are dropping dead all the time, but there's right. there's an element of it there kind of constantly. Mm-hmm. And you do see death in, you know, a variety of, of forms, expected, unexpected, accidental, things like that, illness, age, all sorts of different uh, variations on death and dying, you know, people who are, are, are on their way uh, through palliation sure. regularly, frequently, uh, in comparison to a lot of other people's lives. And just realizing, like really, you know, having my eyes open to to how present death is and how integral dying is to our lives and yet how very, very, very little attention we pay to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it was just it, it was interesting to me to look at kind of the the to think about the human aspect of that and and what that means for people when they're you know constantly trying to avoid death or cheat death or pretend death uh, doesn't exist or mm-hmm. versus when they embrace it or plan for it or prepare for it or are at least willing to acknowledge that it really and not just that superficial acknowledgement but a, a genuine acknowledgement of like this really is part of how life happens sure and so you know over the years that's just kind of been a a thought process that's come up for for me again and again and eventually drove me here to try and have Mm -hmm. more in-depth conversations about it because i really do think that the way that people think about and deal with death is is really interesting and you know really unique depending on who you are where you are what your background is what era you lived in live in depending. Right. Yeah. So there's all, there's so many things about death that I find so interesting. Well, it's, I always thought too, like it, it struck me as, uh, I, 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 I've in the past, I would say whatever, five, six years, I know nurses in my life. And then I didn't realize through talking to them, you and some other people that how much death was part of the ER, you know, yeah, I didn't really think about it. You know, you think like, obviously, you know, there is people that but you think when someone dies, they're like, oh, well, they don't really go to the hospital. But there's so many people that are avoiding death, <laughs> like as it seems. And even the people that seem to be dead, uh, I'm sure you've seen that, that come in to the ER that you have to kind of bring back. I mean, I, I didn't realize how much to be like, I mean, I know that sounds kind of stupid, but I honestly didn't realize how much. So I can understand why it's something that you want to, you know, talk about because it's it's definitely something that think a lot of people compartmentalize mm-hmm. in a bad way mm-hmm. and then death is often i th- feel like dealt with when you really have to it's in your face mm-hmm. whereas i know other cultures are sort of like you know they sort of weirdly celebrate it or they just go not celebrate it but you know i know in i'm sure we'll talk about other different things but like you know in india how it's death is looked at completely different than it is in in north america yeah. so i mean i i know 
I know very, very, very little to the point of nothing about how, you know, other cultures, other social groups, uh, religious organizations um, and, and whatnot deal with death. I grew up in a very neutral environment. We were non-religious and not yeah non-religious not particularly spiritual no deeply rooted family traditions or history Mm -hmm. like really like very like white bread blank slate which is i think probably part of why i'm so interested in in the topic you know i I think that ultimately this this podcast will primarily be exploring what i suppose you would call the anthropology of death um Mm -hmm. you know I'm, i'm really interested in the you know, social, political, cultural, technological influences of time and place mm-hmm. on death and and how people deal with it. And, you know, eventually over time, hope to explore all sorts of different aspects of that. But it really, it comes together interestingly in, in you know, a, a, a medical hospital type environment, which is where most of my practice has been, because you do have this crazy juxtaposition of, you know, death being in your face, shoved down your throat in some respects. And it really, you know, of course, depends on the day, the location, the, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of different things with, yeah, with the denial of death, the the, the effort to prolong life, you know, at all at any cost. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of like super, super opposed tension yep. is, is a bizarre and fascinating place to, to exist for any amount of time. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Nope. But this is just something that came to me because like we were talking about how being exposed to death, not being really exposed a lot as kids, whatever. Um, I'm just wondering when someone, how old were you when someone close to you died? Like what would, what would you say? How old were you? Were? Um, as far as like personal, personal experiences with death. Yeah. The first person that I ever knew who died would have been my great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I was 13. Okay. When she died, and I was definitely there on her way to the end, but I was not around when she actually died. So I'm just wondering what, um, like, as someone that's 13, because I, I in my mind, I was, I, I don't know if you'd ask this question too, because, see, for me, growing up when someone died, even when they were, you know, peripherally or whatever, because I was in a religious thing, it was sort of like, there's a question of heaven and hell and what happens to them when they die or whatever. So I'm wondering, cause that's, that's just, you know, some people think they just want to have the answers. And, and I, I thought as a kid, it was like something you pacify. So what, is that a question you ever asked your parents to be like, Hey, what happens when you die? Not that I ever remember. Is it a question? Really? Is it a question you've ever like asked yourself like as a kid? Or oh, whatever? I mean, certainly as an adult, I've, I had, you know, I, you know, I've had to sort of, decide what my I kind of envy that I'm not going to lie because like because <laughs> when you're grown up in indoctrination it doesn't matter if you sort of like get rid of those things they're still part of you in your head because as a kid you sort of like have this like weird sort of like good and evil yeah right? it's like when someone dies it's bad you're like ah they got what they deserved or whatever so for me I don't uh, it's, it's 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 interesting that you never had that sort of afterlife talk uh yeah no i i don't re- i don't recall ever having those sorts of conversations uh growing up but that being said there's this kind of thing and i don't know i, I don't think that the experience is probably unique to me but i don't know 
you know, growing up in that kind of blank slate environment. Yes. There is a lot about society that is um, sort of subtly uh, Christian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so sure. I think that there probably was always a, a vague underlying assumption of heaven and hell sort of being sure. the standard disposition yeah, in yeah. the absence of any other strong influence in my life. But it wasn't, wasn't ever, ever anything that I really consciously thought about. So the, the the North American culture just has that vacuum into people that are. I think so. <laughs> Which is I mean, that would be my guess. I I, like yeah. I don't I don't know if, if that experience is unique to me, but I, I would I would hesitate. I'm gonna make a note here because I know a couple people else in my life that have no religious background. I'm gonna ask them this question too and see. Okay, I'll get back to you. <laughs> okay. So okay, so then on the flip side, you having been raised with very specific imagery information around death, dying, the afterlife, etc. Yep. And now being farther on in life, mm -hmm. what do you think happens when you die? None of my business. <laughs> That's my new answer. <laughs> That's it? Just Yeah, I stole it from someone you're else. You're just going to cop out? Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a cop out because I think that the big thing, again, I'm stealing this from someone else, but I, I will regurgitate it, is that nobody knows whether, I mean near-death experiences and people that have said they've come back and the white light or whatever. I mean, that's very possible, but you can't know. And I mean, really, a lot of things are unknowable, you know, but there is, we, I think we do have to, uh, we do live, we do sort of live in a life of perceived sort of black and white, right? And I, I think when it comes to death, it's like nobody can know. And so, you know, I've just, I've heard funny stories about people that were, you know, just enlightened and they're like, Hey, ask me anything. I'll answer any question you want. And then they're sort of like, what happens when you die? And the, whoever the enlightened person says, none of your business, because, <laughs> which is really, it's just a funny answer mm -hmm. uh, to me because it's, uh, uh, again, anyone that says they know is, you know, full of crap in some ways because nobody can know. Yeah. And so I like the, I like the none of your business thing. And I don't know. I think that, there's a lot of things that I've read as an adult that's sort of like can't I can't quite explain it other than to say um, they sort of spoke to me on a like I don't know a different level it seemed to be feel true to be like like what well the recent thing I read actually was kind of interesting is like you know they say like what's the opposite of life is death and it's like that's not true actually opposite of uh, opposite of life or sorry let me rephrase that opposite of death is life and i say no the op the, the guy said no the opposite of death is birth right because there's beginning and end and so dead doesn't mean no life so it, that's another way to look at it i guess so i don't know i i, I just think that's kind of i think that's kind of interesting because it's sort of like you know there's it's just things that like that that when I read that I was like just kind of spoke to me on a on a you know sort of sound woo woo but like almost a spiritual level to be like just having that background it's sort of like it's it's weird it's like it's like settling on the answer is you don't know the answer and so like surrendering to that is kind of a fun thing I think in some ways because <laughs> it's not copping out but it's just really like I have no way to ever convince anyone of anything, right? 
whether and whatever my agenda would be. So I think that, I don't know, I think it's kind of a, just a fun, fun answer, if that makes any sense. What about you? Yeah, it does. Now that you're on the spot, I'm going <laughs> to put all the questions back on you, by the way. That's what the show is going to be. What do I think happens when I die? Because you've probably seen more people die than other than most people should. <laughs> well, I mean, not really. No, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I would necessarily go with um, none of your business. Although that's probably a more clever response. But it's essentially the same thing. I mean, there's really, there's really no way of actually knowing. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to give me a like logistical response. It's like, well, first the coroner comes, and then they put it in the bag, <laughs> and then they put it in the freezer. Well, I mean, there is all that, but it really depends on where you die. That's right? true. And oh, that's what the show's going to be about, and, right? <laughs> uh, and whether or not it was expected, sure. and you know, there's a, there's a whole myriad of things that determines like the the physical actions that might take place after you die. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even the biology, and that's that's one thing that we'll probably talk about at some point in the future. Even the in the the biology of the death of a body, mm-hmm. I know some of the broad stroke basics, but a lot of the the fine details, I really mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know much about. I, I will I will say that having been in the presence of death, there is definitely I don't I have heard it described by some people as being like a really definitive moment when someone's there and someone's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever been able to pin down that exact instant when mm-hmm. that changes, but there is definitely a time when someone's there and a time when they're not and a time when they're not there, even though their body still might be doing something. Right. Which is in my experience so far, something that, that you definitely see across the board. Hmm. Speaking of that, sorry, I don't want to interrupt again, but I would actually really like to explore the guillotine deaths. I know that sounds really morbid, Okay, well, you have to write that down somewhere so that I remember. I'll write it down because I think it's because I just heard something on a podcast the other day about how someone was saying, oh, no, no, because I, I let me preface with in the news recently, they just like okayed a bunch of new ways to basically kill people in the States uh, as far as like the death penalty. Mm. And so, but there was one guy, I, I can't remember which comedian, but he was like, let's bring back the guillotine. It's cheap. <laughs> it's whatever. And then, but there was. I guess one of the reasons they got rid of it was they got rid of capital punishment at the time. But also, you know, I mean, let's let's be honest. From a if you're going to kill someone, it's a pretty economical way to do it. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind of being silly, but anyway, the the point is is that one of the reasons they got rid of it is because they said that people were still alive for a while and they could kind of like, you know, that people were looking at you in the basket and yeah. So I want to explore that. I'm sorry. But anyway, no, that's fine. We can okay. we can certainly put. That. I I do I do want to spend um, at different points. I want to spend time looking at kind of death in historical contexts. Mm-hmm. Contexts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, if if you're interested in the guillotine, then we can certainly we can certainly look at that. <laughs> <laughs> just the way you frame that just made me sound like a psycho, but that's okay. Well, I mean, yeah, you okay. know, <laughs> whatever. It's fine. You do know me quite well. So yeah, so. Uh, you know, both both experiences with death that I've had um, in the professional setting with people that I wasn't um, personally connected to mm-hmm. and, you know, then having been present to death uh, with with people that I have been connected to. There is there's there's something there's something indefinable 
slightly indescribable hmm. about someone dying. And it's my sense of the situation certainly seems to be that someone is there mm-hmm. and they're there, whether they're conscious or not, they are there. Yes. And then at some point they, I suppose what most people call their spirit, their soul, whatever, sure. are not there. Hmm. Often there will be a period of time where the body is still doing something. Yep. Then the body stops and sure. then there's nothing. Gotcha. And it's there. It's different. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily a spiritual thing or if it's simply the way that we interpret a whole host of right. subtle signals that we don't realize we're taking in. Hmm. But But there is... There really is something to that, to, you know, they were gone before they were gone. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. And that's another thing that, uh, that I would like to talk about um, at some point down the road in relation to dementia, mm. the idea of being gone before you're gone. Right. And life versus death or being stuck between life and death or, you know, the concept of, of, you know, being a zombie and, and, you know, sure. is, is death an event? Is death a continuum? You know? Yeah. So... Yeah. So there's, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot there. I'm going to say continuum. I don't know if we're going to come with a, by the way, I don't know if we have the answers on this podcast. <laughs> oh, we won't. We oh. absolutely will not. No, I mean, right. I, I should put that. It's dis- none of your business. <laughs> I should put that disclaimer way big and bold out front is we are not experts. No, we never will be experts. We never will be experts. Well, we'll be experts about we that. We will. No, we will not. We will talk to people who know more about some of the specifics than we do, hopefully. Yeah, but we'll be podcasting death experts. But I could... don't ever, 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 ever want to position myself as an expert on this or anybody to think that that's what I think I am. Oh, no. I don't I, I don't think that's what we're going for. I think that it's more of like, like it's just we're going to educate ourselves. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the whole idea is, yes. is we learn along with the people we'll who... We'll be experts in... Maybe listening. <laughs> exactly. We'll be right. We'll be experts compared to the general public. Yeah, I still, I still, I think experts we'll the wrong word. We'll be proficient in death. <laughs> I, I think this we will. Gonna, more, this is not a thing. You're right. We don't want to ever be an. Expert I think we will be more knowledgeable and um, hopefully have a more well-rounded understanding of a variety of things around death. But I really, really, really would hesitate to use the word expert ever, ever. Okay. Well. Since we won't have the answer to continuum, I will say that I think continue, uh, if it's a continuum, I think it's actually a continuum. And I will say this only because from a scientific point of view, it's, it's like one of those things where, you know, if an animal dies in the forest, it's like it's food for another animal and, mm-hmm. you know, it continues to live on and immediately bugs move in and do something. So it's like, it's interesting how death creates so much life. Oh yeah. No, I mean, death, you know, and that's, that's what I mean. Right. When, when I say that, I I think that we do ourselves uh, uh, a disservice as a society by being nervous about death or being uncomfortable or being in denial of, or, or trying to avoid death. Uh, Death and life are inherently irrevocably intertwined. No, you're right. And you can't, I really don't think, and I'm, I'm as bad as the next person, honestly, death, death frightens me. I have no wish to die. You know, the, the possibility of having a bad death or a painful death terrifies me. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I really don't think that you can actually appreciate life properly unless you appreciate death properly. Yeah, I agree. I actually think life or appreciating death probably brings you closer to life anyway 
Yeah, I, would say. I think that's possible. Okay, so when you die, since we've now determined that it's inevitable, yeah. do you want your death to be marked? And if so, how? What do you mean marked? What do you think I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, do I want a funeral? Do I want a Facebook page? You have to mm. interpret that however you want. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't like putting people out. So <laughs> it'd be nice to just be like, uh, eh, whatever. But I think if you do have, you know, people love us. And so I think it's a respect for the people that you actually, you're leaving behind. People want to celebrate your life to some degree more than you. You'd like to think, I mean, you'd hope you would. So. I mean, I'm pretty simple. I want a six foot statue and um of me. Uh, in chocolate? <laughs> eh, I mean gold yeah, plated chocolate. I'll t- I'll take chocolate if it's up north because then it won't melt. So if somewhere like in the Yukon, a chocolate statue. Yeah, so. but if you really want to be appreciated, you put the chocolate statue up way south where it's super hot and then you keep it refrigerated. Because that really shows what a badass you were. That's true. That's like an eternal flame. Yeah. So Only re- in reverse. In chocolate. In chocolate. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So, no, but seriously, I, I think, yeah, a funeral a funeral or memorial service is important. I mean, I'm not going to be, but uh, I'm all about, I mean, like I say, it'd be nice to just throw me in the woods and let the animals have some fun and maybe contribute to the earth. But I guess the next best thing is create cremation or... Oh, actually, there's some new ones that you can do. I don't know. if There's got to be, I'm sure in this green uh, movement of Earth, there's got to be some sort of bio-friendly yeah. way to like... Yeah, yeah, you can buy an urn that turns into a tree. Oh, see, yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I've okay, got the page the, bookmarked. Oh, nice. Okay, but are the ashes actually like good fertilizer or is it just... I assume so. You put the ashes in the base and a tree grows out of them. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, I wonder, because well, I know that... That's something we used to do is uh, for lilacs. I think you put the ashes from the wood stove around them. There's that sounds that, right. There's something acidic in them that make it better for the soil. But so uh, maybe I'd help. But yeah, I think I think I would want to be probably cremated. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad this is out there in a podcast, so that way if someone tries to do something different to me, just <laughs> remember this podcast. Yeah, I guess like I say, I think it's more about. Res- I I really don't care about sort of fanfare of anything because I mean if you look at it there was you know several leaders of the Roman Empire and most people can only name a couple of them and uh, so you know it doesn't really matter I'm sure there's some statues and smarter people than me would know those names but so like I mean I'm just a dude so I think it's I think it's kind of like a little bit gauche to try to like leave a mark behind I mean even a tombstone that's left behind is going to be kind of It'll be eventually gone. So, yeah, tree would be nice. I'll do the urn tree thing. The urn so, tree thing. So how about you? You, d- you definitely don't want to be left out to be eaten by the animals. So that was your first choice. Yeah, I thought about that. But I mean... The urn tree thing's your final answer, Alex? I think, uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> I actually did know a guy once who swore, swore. He was, he was a little bit out there. But he swore that he knew people who would honor his wishes when he died and would like stake him to a tree to be eaten by wild animals. Hmm. I think the only problem with that is I, I'm, I'm sure there's like a health, uh, like a, like a, some sort of health authority violation. I'm sure, I'm sure so, that's, so you have to kind of live in the woods <laughs> to be able to do that. 
Uh, but then you, also, even then, there's a health authority violation. Yeah, I'm but sure. I mean, nobody's going to know about it, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing. Is sometimes because who's looking into it? If someone dies and there's no foul play, you just hand them an urn with some wood stove ashes in there and be like, "Here's Bob." But really, you've actually taped him to a tree. <laughs> so I think the only problem with that is that it's you're not guaranteed the animals are going to take him all the way. And yeah. So you have to like go. You'd be like, "Ah, oh, damn it, his legs are still there," like or whatever. So. So yeah, I I'm gonna go with final answer, tree tree phase, urn the tree urn thing. That's so, good. But uh, I want it to be a lemon tree. A lemon tree. Oh yeah. Well, those grow this far north in North America. Oh, I didn't say I want to be planted here. Oh, I mean, I guess we could always put you in a greenhouse. I'll go to Florida. Yeah. Okay. Can we just give you the crocodiles or the alligators or something then? Yeah. I, I, I mean, that would be way faster. Hmm. Let me. You, trees you know take years to grow. I haven't really. This is something I haven't really thought about for because I, I don't know if you're planning on killing me or anything. So this is sort of a weird <laughs> <Not> the moment. <laughs> uh, but I will. I'm going to defer my answer right now. I'm going to go tree urn, but I'm going to research this a little bit and find okay. out maybe something else and and something that's like fun. Maybe firework. I bet you, you could do your your ashes. You can do all fireworks. sorts of stuff. I, yeah. uh, you can, you can turn people's ashes into dildos. Oh like, my God. It's, it's, it's I've cra- heard that. Yeah. It's crazy. There's actually, uh, oh my God. Jewelry. So many funny jokes to come with that. Right. right? But, uh, I think, yeah, that's actually, it's always one of those like bottom of the page news story things about like a new thing that people do. It's like 75 grand. You can put your ashes into space. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's been going on for a while. Oh, actually I saw you can have your, I think you can have your ashes pressed into a vinyl yeah i think so that too i think so pretty interesting i mean ashes actually in and of themselves ashes are pretty dynamic as as a means of disposal if you're somebody who's at all inclined to having some sort of memorabilia or something for people who live on after you to have Mm -hmm. i think i think cremation is a good way to go because there is actually a ton of things that you can do with ashes and you can divvy them up and do multiple things with them too plus some of the nicest that's a pretty good choice some of the nicest land in cities is stupid cemeteries i mean what a waste we need to like it'd be a nice park i mean i'm not saying you know build a high rise or anything but like you know it's frowned I f- upon I to feel play like soccer people, in the cemetery i feel like people are going to be offended by the idea that uh the death of their ancestors was is now a waste of space no i i no it's, I, that's not what i'm saying you're twisting my words i'm saying <laughs> that i think that the idea of burying people which is really like obviously a tradition and uh, it it comes from a health point of view Mm -hmm. so but really it's like now we're just making fancy beds for them to lay in forever so or until they disappear so but anyway what about you so yeah you have to answer though what do you do you want your oh god yeah I mean, certainly cremation. I, I think that just seems like like the most logical option for yeah. me. It's you know, it's it's efficient. It's who doesn't like a good fire. It's it's <laughs> saves space. It's you know, cost effective. All those things. I don't. I mean, I think there's the the fairly standard or standard for me anyhow. Push me, pull you sort of uh, idea of well, yeah, I want to be a rock star. I want a whole bunch of people to gather and. Uh, talk about how amazing I was and and remember me fondly and cry over me because I impacted their lives. But then there's also the, well, I'd rather just, you know, sneak off when nobody's looking and just be done with it. Yeah, fair enough. What about the idea of, this is just a thought that happened to me, 
I, I, I know this happens, but what if you had a terminal disease? Would you have your funeral beforehand? Because there's a lot of people that do that. And especially mm. now that there's certain places that you can do, you know, euthanasia. Yeah. So I, I think that the concept is really interesting. I think it's something that we should um, probably do just as a general rule anyway, is, you know, once or twice in someone's lifetime, have a gathering and be like, hey, so you know what? You did this and you influenced these people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's a hard one because there's always going to be people who have lesser connections or whatever. And maybe if if and then a celebration like, of your pre-death like that would be hard for them. Yeah, because they'll be like, am I dying? Well, no, I, I was I was no, thinking more. I was just thinking more like they wouldn't there wouldn't necessarily be the masses to do it. And that oh, would that would be hard to bear witness to. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's a really like highly theoretical idea to have your but yeah i mean i think if you've got the option why not have your funeral before you die at least you can be there to enjoy it and you can pick the decorations that's true but again you know the for me for me personally it's it's a hard one because part of me is like yeah i want people to tell me that i mattered mm -hmm. but then also if it actually happened i probably wouldn't have a lot of fun i'd be i'd be embarrassed and uncomfortable and would probably try and sneak out of my own party okay here, how about this you're dead and there's an afterlife and whoever's in charge says, hey, Amanda, your funeral's today. You can go watch it or you can stay here and play tennis with us or whatever your sport is. Would you watch your funeral or would you just go, eh, it's cool. It's I'm gonna... done. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. done. I'd but, PVR it and maybe think about it later. Yeah. I mean, you know, th there's there's part of me that, that has a morbid curiosity about what people might think or say or, mm -hmm. or do. But part of me is also like, meh. If I didn't know the whole time I was alive, then did I really need to know? Right. Because if it's something that was impactful enough or or meaningful enough or deep enough, you know, to to be said that I needed to know, then hopefully I would have been aware of it at some point while I was already around. That's true. Yeah. And if I wasn't, then whether it's on my end or there, and there's probably some reason that I wasn't. Sure. Okay. I think. Interesting. Mm hmm. Associated question, though. Okay. So we've covered whether or not you'd attend your own funeral if you could, if you knew that you were going to die. Yes. Or if you could watch it from the afterlife if there is such a thing. You could fake your own death and watch your own funeral. What, what is your thought about resuscitation? So you huh. get hit by a car, your heart stops yep. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be resuscitated? Yeah, we've talked about this because there's you've actually enlightened me to a lot of things where... I didn't realize that, you know, we see so much on TV. Um, there's been, you know, handfuls and, well, not handfuls, bucketfuls of hospital shows when someone dies and they're getting CPR and they're getting shocked. And, and it's like, you know, this is actually, it is a problem to watch any of those shows with you because you're like, nope, that person would be dead. That That's so, it is a problem watching those shows with you. But I will say that, um, yeah, knowing what I know now, I suppose it depends on the injury and what's going on because you, you know, you've told me that like getting CPR properly really messes you up. It like breaks ribs. It does all sorts of things and you know, your quality of life. So it depends on how old you are, I guess, because recovery is about, you know, getting, you've told me that some people getting CPR, they're, they're they may have lived, but are going to live for another two years in agony because of the injuries, you know, which I think you're being a little rough on the patients, but I mean, but no, seriously, I think that 
yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. I think, like, again, that's another one of those, you know, we just don't know a little bit. And there's sort of culture sort of feeds that into us about, like, what what actual re- re- real resuscitation is. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes a bad thing. So that's a that's a real, would I want to be resuscitated in a car accident? My heart stops. It's There's a lot of maybes in that. So. That's the problem with the code, though. You can't give a maybe response. You have to either pick, do you want to be resuscitated or not? Mm. I mean, there's there's a few variations that you can decide on. Well, how about this? I, I would definitely want to have a loved one know what my wishes were in the end. So as far as... <laughs> but like, if you don't know what your wishes are, then they can't know what your wishes are. No, I would... Okay. So this is your statement to your loved one. If I die, if my heart stops beating, I want you to. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about this? If it happened tomorrow, I'd say, let's, let's bring me back a little bit. If I'm 75, 80, let's, let's move on. Forget about it. So, cause I think I could recover. Like, I don't know. I've got a pretty thick sternum. <laughs> So I think I could survive CPR and the shocker paddles. So <laughs> That's that the whole point to resuscitation. You do survive CPR if you're resuscitated. Right. No, but I'm saying res- <laughs> survive the recovery of, of Fair enough. said broken rib. I mean, yeah, I don't have osteoporosis, so I think I'll be okay. But I think that, yeah, if it's a different conversation when I'm, again, knowing what I know now. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you? I already know the answer to this. Yeah, but. you do already know the answer to this. Uh, uh, it's 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 a controversial answer because most people that I know, including most colleagues that I know, think that I'm young enough that I should still go for what they would call a full recess. So CPR, shocks, meds, intubation for breathing if needed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I actually made the decision probably close to 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less, to forego any form of CPR. So if I need to go to a hospital, um, if I need IVs, medications, you know, a surgery, things like that, that's fine. But don't intubate me. Don't breathe for me. And don't restart my heart. Who knows this, by the way? The person who is my medical representative legally. Oh, who's that? (laughs) It's Rain. Oh, is it Rain? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but what if you're, what if we're in Mexico or Toronto or something and you get in and I was just like, no, dude. Is it, I guess now that I know it's morally wrong for me to. Well, because you're my partner, your, uh, your word would, would be taken. Um, And, and realistically, um, it really doesn't matter what you say before you're incapacitated, your representative or your next closest kin can override that. And it happens all the time. Uh, One would hope that they would abide by what you wished. Right. I think I'm just going to make a judgment call on it. Yeah, I mean, and I just slip on a banana peel and bump your head. I'm going to go, let's do CPR. Well, if my heart stopped because I bumped my head from falling on a banana peel, there's something else going on there and you should let me die. That's my theory. Because I'm young and healthy, if something stops my heart or stops me breathing, Mm -hmm. then I should not be alive. Mm -hmm. If, If I am frail enough for whatever reason, even if you could bring me back relatively easily, if I'm frail enough for whatever reason that I die in that moment when I am relatively young and healthy, mm-hmm. then don't bring me back. What about... Because I don't I don't want to live with any possible uh, sequelae of that. I don't want to live with whatever might come from having been dead and brought back. Mm. It, it might be nothing. 
it's totally true. I might recover fully, but there's also a really good chance that I might not. And I'm just not interested in dealing with it. Okay. What about you're walking and you step in a puddle that's electrified and you get electrocuted? You don't want CPR from that? Nope. Is that a bad recovery? Electrocution? Electrocution can be, well, it depends on how you're electrocuted. Your heart just stopped because you. Yeah, I know that. Okay. No, but. But but an electrocution, I mean, it really depends. There's so many unknown variables. An electrocution can be awful. Okay, but I'm giving you the variable of you stepped in a puddle and your heart stopped. You don't want CPR. I'm dumb enough to step in a puddle that's got... You don't know. You would know. No, you wouldn't. Not necessarily. It's a giant puddle and there's a down power line down the road. Okay, so here's the thing. I know I'm giving you a ridiculous... Stop, stop, stop. Stop. Here's the thing. I've had this conversation with multiple people before. I'm not going to go down the the rabbit hole of, oh, but what about this one-off weird situation? Or, oh, but what about if this? My explanation is... If something stops my heart or stops me from breathing at this or any point in my life, then I do not want to be brought back. If I am frail enough, whether it be from uh, some underlying condition that I don't know about or because I'm older and, uh, you know, less well, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, if I am vulnerable enough that my heart stops or I stop breathing, don't fix it. Leave it. I'm only asking because I'm a poor handyman and there's a lot of live wires around and I just want you to be careful. That's all. (laughs) Why do you think I'm constantly unplugging things and putting them away? Don't touch those plugs anymore. (laughs) So, Okay. So let's take a step back. More broad scope. Okay. Consideration. What does death or dying mean to you or um in another way of phrasing it would be um what do you think of when you think of death or dying just like first thing that comes to mind any association um death or dying first thing comes to mind probably first thing comes to mind is probably my stepdad who passed away he had a heart attack and he was one of the, it was one of those things where they did CPR, sort of had a heartbeat, brought him back to the hospital where you worked, mm-hmm. and and you know it was like you, I, I it was the first time I was like a really obviously exposure to death in front of me, and then also like watching somebody get CPR and worked on, and then basically calling it and saying no, we're not going to bring him back, which is like like I say it was you know ten feet in front of me, so. And at the time, it didn't really, I mean, obviously shock is a thing, but at the same time too, to provide some context, you know, my stepdad had lived beyond the years that he was supposed to live. He is a a three-time kidney transplant recipient, and as a result of the anti-rejection drugs, he had a weak heart, and so always sort of on borrowed time. He had had, had a mild heart attack before, but again, every day was sort of a gift. So I had always taken, and knowing growing up with that, there had been many scares before. So I think at the time I had come, I was like, in my head was like, oh, I'm at peace with this. And then once it actually happened, then I realized, it's like, oh, I actually am sort of at peace with this. You can't really ever prepare for death and dying, I think, um, as much as people think you can. But what I like, I like the, the other thing that came to mind would probably be a spiritual teacher that I like to read and listen to is a, a guy named Ram Das who died almost a year ago. And he had he has a, a movie that was out I haven't seen yet called Going Home, I believe. Or 
Isn't that the one that was on Netflix? I thought we saw that oh, one. Oh, yeah. So, but he had another one, too. Oh. oh, no, no. Sorry. The new movie is Becoming Nobody. Oh, yeah. No, we haven't seen that one. So, yeah. And and it was... Uh, and So, he died last year. And it was like, you know, there had been... I, I was really interested in his death journey because he was sort of like couldn't wait for it to happen. And I really would be like, what does it take to get to that spot? Mm-hmm. You know, and who? what does he believe? What is? Why is he there? And so I've, for the past, you know, three or four years, I've been reading a lot about that and and what he's up to. And then through that journey, of course, he, he died. And so I, I think that a lot of my death and dying stuff comes from a lot of stuff that he talks about, mm-hmm. sort of what I can really relate to or speaks to me, I guess. And I don't know. I look at it as I always think of a quote that, he had heard what he, someone had told him that death is like taking off a, a tight shoe. So I kind of hold that as a bit of a mantra to be like, not to be afraid. You know, I don't think there's, because if you believe in any kind of benevolence or any kind of universal form or God or whatever it is, I mean, it seems like a pretty cruel trick to have the existence of your being be ended in terror so i like to hold on to that idea and so i think that's something that doesn't really scare me i'm not really afraid to die i think like most people yeah it's like you don't want to be in a plane crash and like have that you know terror moment of clinging to a seat that's falling into the ocean or something that would be pretty scary but at the end of the day too i feel like the only thing that uh you know that I, I still think that's really nothing to really worry about because if you're dead, it, that's not going to really mean anything to you in the end, right? You're not going to know what happened. So, and if you do know, I mean, it might be like, well, that was an interesting ride, you know, literally and figuratively. So going back to your the death of your stepfather, was that, yeah. is, is that, uh, would you say the closest experience with death that you've had? Yeah, I would say probably as far as like a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think. I'm just making sure I don't have any siblings who are still there both alive. So that's good. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I would think that. I think that that is that is probably it. And again, it was it was it was just weird because there was a, obviously a lot of sadness around that. But mm-hmm. for me, it's like, of course, I was sad. You know, was, but same time too i was like prepared for it yeah in a weird way and preparing for a long time so yeah so given that he had you know a a lengthy well-established complex medical history Mm. was the imminence or inevitability of his death something that you ever talked with him about or with your any of your family members about or just something that you thought about yourself do you think he was okay with the idea of dying i think so yeah i think so to to some degree i i'm sure i talked about it with him a little bit and i mean we we always used kind of humor and that's sort of when you know i'm a comedian but i also have just always done that in my life you know where it's you know when something's serious and going on that's sort of how you deal with it and so I don't really recall any specific moments or anything. I'm sure we talked about it a little bit, but uh, yeah, 
I've also had this. Uh, the other, the other weird thing is too is that with him, um, I, I I don't know how to explain this, but I've often felt this that it's like physically he's gone, but he's actually not gone. There's someone I was close to, and definitely loved, but there was something very. He's a man that was sort of like, in a lot of ways, a transformed guy through mm-hmm. his life and i think he he's a pretty amazing like he had climbed some of the tallest mountains in bc uh some of the crazy rock climbing things even while doing he based his trips around getting dialysis at other hospitals so he was doing dialysis while rock climbing which is crazy in my mind so anyway he was sort of a brave guy and even though he's gone there's something about that i, I again that untangible untangible thing that i can't put my finger on but i'm like oh he's not actually gone it's i'll still kind of like reference scientific thing like matter can't be destroyed it can just be changed into something else and that's sort of how i look at death too it's like again unknowable and um, you know i've heard some kind of anecdotal weird stories i mean i tend to i don't know i don't really have a uh, specific dogma that I adhere to, but I tend to kind of like the way that life recycles itself. I kind of, uh, in, in a natural way, kind of tend to believe in some sort of reincarnation or something. And so I don't, I don't actually think of it as finality. It's finality for the people that are left behind, not finality for the people that are actually dead. Because mm-hmm. the finality for us is sort of like, well, that person's not there anymore. So is your concept that? the the non-finality or the afterlife or continuation of life after death or or however you would phrase it for the person who has died um, is that something that you think that they're conscious of i think is it like a continuation in the form of who they were i don't think so i think it's actually i i just anecdotally have heard some funny stories some interesting stories that were like make you go huh that's really weird like this, the one where I think you you know what I'm going to say, but there's this one crazy story about this couple had a three year old or two and a half or three year old, and he they had just had a baby, brought the baby home, and then the three year old was like, "Can I talk to the baby in private?" And they were like, "What? Okay," and they opened the they let the baby let the three year old in. He was talking to the newborn. And the parents obviously cracked the door to like listen to what he was going to say. And he said to the baby, he said, what's it like again? I can't remember. And I'm starting to forget. And so I was, and I'm starting to forget. And the parents were like, what? That's a weird thing. And he was like trying to get the baby to talk to him to be like, what was it like again? Tell me. And it's like, what does he, what does he mean? Cause the baby just came from somewhere, you know, or the, person or soul or whatever or essence of the person so i just thought it was really interesting to be like it's weird that you know because when you, you come when you're born you're sort of a bit of a blank slate but through experiences and whatever else we all end up as different individuals but we all kind of start the same and there's sort of like something you know if you've been around a baby there's sort of an awareness of like like you know that looking a baby looking like what is going on here 
you know. And interestingly, and I'm sure you've seen this, you can see that I've spent times in old folks' home and people that are near death's door, they have that same kind of look on their face as a baby sometimes of like, what's going on here? You know, there's some, a, a blankness is what I mean. Yeah, I so. mean, they, they do call aging the backwards walk through life. And I, to a limited extent, agree with that. But I don't feel like the blankness that comes at the end if you're someone who's suffering from memory loss or dementia or something like that is this on the same level as an infant. Although well, I, I, I although I, I sort of see I sort of see what you're referring to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And by the way, too, I'm not here to convert anyone or, or espouse any of my own it's just sort of like I, I think we're all on a journey and i i will be the first person to tell you that i've changed my mind a lot of times and just sometimes things just i've tried to go to a spot where it's it's i think that quiet myself enough to be like what speaks to me on you know a level that I, again I, I like the unknowable stuff sometimes and i like the reality of knowing that it's unknowable mm-hmm. there's certain things and i mean it's I, I look at I, it's amazing to me what what a lot of physicists and and scientists can do and the things that we know now but you know it's i also like the fact that when you go to things like quantum physics when they like go hey there's a hundred of these little quirk things and we're gonna look at them and for every one they look at they find a thousand more unanswerable things you know so there's I think it's really funny that you know the, the more that they're like, whoa, this is something that's happening on this level, but that raises so many more questions here. So the more we know, the less we actually know. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually does a disservice to things. And so, um, especially in the Western culture, I like the idea of this podcast to be like when you were asking me, like, what do I want to do when I die? And because I, I don't think that's, that's a question that people talk about a lot no it's not a conversation that people have and i'm sure it makes for some miserable funerals and celebrations of life because sometimes people do talk about that and they want it a certain way or and then but you know whoever's in charge wife or son or i mean i i think it i think it creates all sorts of, of crazy situations both to do with how lives are remembered or celebrated or marked but also to do with um, how lives are allowed or not to to carry on mm-hmm. you know yeah. multiple 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 times you know over the course of my career so far i've seen occasions where you know a patient wanted one thing and yeah. when they become incapacitated the people making decisions for them choose something else for them interesting and i i understand why people do that and uh, you know that has to do with the fear of death, the fear of mm-hmm. loss, the resistance to change, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things like that. It, it, it is a very understandable thing that happens, but I also think it's a really tragic one. Sure. And I think you're right. I think it's because we just, we don't have the conversations. And when we do have the conversations, we get stiff and weird and awkward and we kind of, you know, tiptoe or rush our way through it or maybe tend to tell people what we think they want to hear because it the whole thing just mm-hmm. makes us uncomfortable yep. and feel weird and feel morbid. You know, it's it's just it's this bizarre taboo that we have that I that I think is not in any way deliberately harmful, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's good for us. I, I often wonder, actually, this is something we can look into too. I'll write this one down. 
people that have been kept alive because you know there's like places all over the world where you know given the technology we've had in the past three or four decades where there's been people that are in comas for decades Mm -hmm. and every day they get turned a couple times a day oh way more than that well whatever (laughs) it is you know what i'm saying i'm saying that there's people yeah they pay thousands of dollars a month to keep them hooked up to a machine and they're alive I wonder how many of those people have woken up or found out the thing and like we're happy about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah. like, ah, oh, thanks. I know it's been 20 years, but because do you know what I mean? Like, because they may not know the difference. So that's something I'd want to look into because they were like basically dead. I think that's probably going to be something that's be really, really difficult to find information about. We can look, but I think yeah. it's going to be really challenging to There's find information. Because be for one thing, I think that those at that point turn into a bit of a human interest story mm-hmm. and we tend to go for the, the click one. the clickbait glory, which will be the mm-hmm. person who woke up and is like, oh my God, I remember you. Let's go back to our old lives. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the person who wakes up and might say, screw you, why'd you keep this going? Well, I was going to say in this world these days, imagine like you get out of a coma and you'd be like, uh, I liked it better when Reagan was president. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting things there. Okay, so we should probably look towards uh, bringing this to a close. So let's end sure. it on a bit of an up note. <laughs> tell no. <laughs> okay. Tell me. The best what, funeral food I've ever had. No. Oh, <laughs> no. I know what it is. Tell me. Okay. Well, tell me that first, then. I don't know. It's actually Excel sandwiches always. But anyway, <laughs> go on. Tell me what you think is required for a good death. Oh. Hmm. We're talking video games, I can tell you a couple different ones. But yeah, wow. That's uh some of these questions, by the way, I don't think I can actually these are not on the spot questions. <laughs> these are not like <laughs> favorite food. That's the whole point. Yeah. Okay, you're the in whole Europe. point is if you can't think about it beforehand, then you're not gonna tell me things that I think I that you think I wanna hear. Well, I I'm not gonna do that. I know either. you're not, but that's that's the theory, because I'm not just gonna use these questions on you. Well, I understand that, but I'm also yeah, I'm just saying that I reserve the right. I'm saying this is the inaugural podcast to change my answers. Okay. Because I, I, this is, a I am flu- this is a positive. Fluid I am positive that as we go and learn about different things, our answers will change. Answer? No, I'm, I don't know. I, don't, I feel pretty firm about that one. I might change my answer, but I feel pretty firm about that one right now. But I'm sure that there will definitely be things that will change. At the risk of sounding like a callous jerk, too, I actually respect your whatever i was just trying to challenge you I know. Just to make sure that you really thought it through because my electric electrocution uh, angle is pretty much i think the only gray area you should do <laughs> because that could you okay could, anyway sorry <laughs> i'm sure we all have plenty of opportunities to rehash my choice to not have cpr but good death i think good, the, death. I, good death i think the, the go-to answer and everyone's going to say this is you you die in your sleep you know right you go to sleep and you just don't wake up. I think that's a good one. So I also I also will say that's that's I was gonna say die in your sleep. But the other one that I think might be kind of cool too is uh, again I think any time that you if if you're just actually at peace and you have things kind of wrapped up, you don't want to leave a bunch of crap for your loved ones as far as like you know literal your literal stuff it's garbage you know simplify your life don't have a whole bunch of storage of whatever your collection of garbage is 
because people have to deal with that thing. I'll tell you about that in another episode. But the other thing is, I would say doing something fun would be kind of a good death. But again, prefacing with your ducks are in a row. You've got a will. People are taken care of. Yeah, it sucks for people. But let's say, I don't know, jetpack comes to mind. Those are things that are coming out more popular these days. Some sort of rocket pack and you fly into the side of a cliff. So part of a good death for you then is fulfilling your social obligations to your inner circle. I just think it's not fair to leave behind a bunch of... Yeah, I would say that's part of it. But why does it matter if you're dead? I'm nowhere near that right now. Um, I think it's because not everyone's going to look at death the same way I do. And I think dealing with... um, Yeah, I don't know. Dealing with... The more stuff you have to deal with, I think it's the more it's hard to for people to move on. Um, so if you had like a whole bunch of like, you know, secret lives, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something else. Stuff I I don't, but I don't know. I've got. I mean, even as even things as like you know, this is even things like having a executor for your social media, because you know your death might affect people differently and that stuff doesn't go away like you know like you have to petition facebook with a, a death certificate and a bunch of other things so you know you um yeah i think it's uh i think that's i just think it's important it's respectful you know because if otherwise it is sort of i think it, uh, intentionally or not it is kind of a, a a screw you to your relatives if you don't have anything i mean i don't know i've never really that's another one I'd have to look into, but I think I I I just heard of things like that, and we were talking about that yesterday about you know executors of of wills and things, and and how that messy that can get. So if you're not clear of what you want, mm-hmm. so that's why I don't have any kids. No one's gonna <laughs> fight. I have dogs. And they're not gonna fight over anything. Unless, actually. If I die alone with them, they might be fighting over my corpse. It's true. Like, so they won't Depends on whether they put them. enough food out. Yeah, I didn't. They're in a, they, won't be, they would eat me before they would try to dig through that plastic thing. <laughs> so I guarantee it. I'm tasty just because I'm kind of chubby. But anyway, how about you? Good death? I think I'm going to reserve answering that one until what I didn't realize until we've had uh, more conversations. Okay, well, I'm going to, well, when you bring it back, I'm going to maybe make some addendums to mine. Yeah. Or amendments. What would be the right word? De- I think depending on how you use it, you could use I mean, either amend, or. Amend. Okay, cool. <laughs> update. Update. I will update <laughs> for the people that don't know what those other two words are. <laughs> so. so anyway. All right. Well, I think that I think that's a really good starting point. I uh, we I we have covered a wide variety of ground. Yeah. Hopefully that gives people a little bit of insight into who we each are and the perspective that we'll be approaching future conversations from. Mm-hmm. And thank you to everyone for listening. It wasn't a very hard undertaking at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Andrew, for being here with me. Thanks, Amanda. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please tell one friend to listen to it and hopefully we can get the word out. And tell three dead friends. Okay. One live, three dead. Yeah. <laughs> Good night.